In a world where two young men, bored with a computer and two microphones, they come together to make not only a podcast, but the podcast. This is Son of a Ginger Music Movies Television Reviews. Hello and welcome. You've heard an impromptu uh, theme song that sort of teases what we're going to talk about today, which is uh, the two most recent releases from uh, Marvel Studios and DC Studios, Justice League and Thor Ragnarok. Thor, that is not respectively. Flip them around. Marvel, Thor, oh, yes. Justice League, DC. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to explain Thor Ragnarok, Justice League. If you think Batman's Marvel, you're you're horribly mistaken. Oh, I'm sure. Like my mom before was like, "Honey, I got you the new DC thing," and it's like Spider Man. I'm like, "Mom, it's not right." Wow. Marvel. Oh. Don't you know that the DC heroes are more like gods, and the Marvel heroes are more like normal people who s- surprisingly get superpowers? And that's against the Christian faith, and you can't believe in different <laughs> gods. Otherwise, they're going to hell. This is my church lady impression. You're worshiping false idols, young man. <laughs> You're about to go see the devil. But yes, we are talking Thor and Justice League. And we're going to try to pack two good little reviews for you of both films before you know really getting into... The overall status of the comic book movie craze. It made us crazy. I'm definitely crazy for yeah. these films. Yeah, it, I mean, like... I'm crazy for one, and another one made me crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely did. Uh, so, which one do you want to talk about first, Pat? Uh, well, I'd like to talk about the more the the superior film, I would say, in Thor Ragnarok, Thor three, as they say in Europe. I don't know if that's what they say in Europe, but um, but Thor Ragnarok released uh, November fifth, twenty seventeen, I believe, the first week of November. Um, directed by Taika Waititi. Is that how you say yes, his name? I think he, that's how you say it. He's from New Zealand. That's my New Zealand impression. And he directed a very cool film. It stars Chris Hemsworth as Thor, of course. Uh, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner slash the Hulk. Tom Hiddleston as Loki. And then the rest of the the good old gang. And then also Kate Blanchett in her first Marvel role as Hela, the villain. And she was hella scary. <laughs> Um, but yeah so this was the third installment of Thor and I'll tell you what it was it was an adventure like it wasn't a normal it wasn't a normal super film super film superhero film that like it wasn't a formula it didn't have that standard formula that oh this happens and then there's the big scary villain and then well well if you if I put it that way, I guess that, that is how it happens. Basically, it was a very, it was a much more original superhero film. Yeah. So I think it was, it's easily the best out of the Thor movies. Definitely better than, I'd say, Avengers 2 or some of the more lackluster ones. Captain America 1. I mean, Ant Man. Captain America 1 was all right. Um, I, but I, I, I'm it, indifferent about it. It surpasses, you know, that like, I guess like the phase two ones where it was definitely Kevin Feige. He did have, in fact, a formula of let's have this origin story happen, and now let's have them all team up for this one big scary hero. 
and you know the villains weren't that important and you didn't really care too much about what was going on uh and you kind of knew everyone was going to come out okay uh my gripe with uh the superhero films in general is i know that the hero is going to come out okay because you know okay chris hemsworth is on you know deal on movie number 4 of his six picture deal type of thing so you know i know that thor is going to come out of it out of it fine at the end and no spoilers there because you guys can read the the business insider and all the times as well but the difference is is that uh, we did, in fact, have a very exciting character that that is the villain, Hela. And we didn't focus on, oh, man, it's uh, Thor versus Hela the entire time. It's, okay, there's Thor versus Hela. Now he gets thrown off of this random alien planet where, oh, shit, there's Hulk. What's Hulk up to? And then they kind of do some stuff over there. And then we go back to uh, Asgard and we see, you know, the villains doing their thing. Basically, we get... We get an A and a B plot in this film, and it's like way more. It makes the film way more interesting and enticing. Like I'm, I'm hooked on my seat for the entire two hours of it. Yeah, you know, I think the. Uh, it's not predict- what predictable. Was, what was that planet he was on? In what was it called? The garbage planet. Sakar. Sakar. Yeah. Sakar is the garbage gladiator planet that I we see Thor and Hulk. I I I. I would have to disagree with you in that I felt like Hela was sort of still one of these copy-paste villains and the moments on Sakaar were much more interesting to me. Oh, and I would agree that Sakaar is way better than the villain, but I at least knew something about the villain that made me interested about her. Like, there have been so many other villains where they just kind of give you them and then you tell them they're bad. And then you're like, okay, there's the bad guy. So I would say they do kind of do that, but then you understand why. They give you some backstory. uh, And we're in spoiler territory now, so spoilers. Uh, Hela's backstory is that she is Thor's older sister. She's a outcast black sheep older sister that used to rule rule all of Asgard and all the galaxies with uh, her pop and Thor's. Thor's pop, Odin, pop, um, and you know she's been outcast, and then now she's coming back to claim what's rightfully hers since Odin's died. Um, so that was cool, but I would agree, Sakar was definitely the highlight of the film and all the stuff that happened over there. Sure, totally, yeah. I think that when it came to the Asgard side of the plot, it keep it kept taking the safe route. Uh, and it wasn't introducing too much new. Let me preface this by saying I liked the movie. Like, I really did like the movie. Uh, but they, they have something at the beginning where Odin is watching uh, a reenactment of Thor and Loki's battle, and it's like some, you know, Shakespearean drama that's going on. And they have sort of allude to the fact that Odin is ruling over Asgard, but he's now become like a gluttonous, lazy king, and all of this... And this and this. And I, I was watching that and I was like, oh, you know, that's like, that's a very interesting take on Odin. Like they're they're turning him into someone who's like lost all of his cares for everything. And he's just sort of engorging in all of all of these like pleasures or whatever. And then it turns out that he's Loki and it makes a little bit more sense for the character of Loki. But then Odin just ended up being the same Odin we've seen for the last two movies. Yeah, of just... 
hey, here's this big Hollywood theater actor. And here I'm going to easy money. Yeah. Here I'm going to talk to you and give you all the expedi- exposition you need to figure out about uh, our mythology and, and stuff. I, like I mean, in these movies, Odin has really just existed as an ex- expositional character. And I mean, it helps. Uh, like, cause I mean, there's a lot to read and a lot of content that I mean, I don't have time to read a bunch of comics. Yeah. So it helps. Uh, and let me give you guys some exposition. So uh, backtrack, we were telling you what's happened in the movie. Essentially, though, Thor's Thor's back on Asgard after what the stuff of Avengers happens. He's back there. His spider senses tingle. That's a different movie. Um, and then things aren't right. Uh, Odin Odin uh, kicks the bucket. Hela Hela comes, claims it's hers, and then she uh, exiles. Thor into the Sakar planet, or he finds himself in Sakar, and he has to get himself back. Um, after you know, going around on some wild, wacky adventures with Hulk and some new friends in the Marvel universe. Uh, that was a little recap exposition for you. Um, yeah, you know, I think I I think that my favorite thing about uh, the movie is the story about Hulk. I love how that's how they introduce him into more, the more cosmic section of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, because how did he get up there? The jet. So in the end of Avengers 2, he's sent by himself on the Quinjet, which is like their plane. And uh, and he's going to some secret thing and nobody knows where he's going. And then, for some reason, the Quinjet ended up on Sakaar. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah, doesn't yeah, really, yeah, yeah. it doesn't really like explain it that much. It's just like... You see Hulk by himself in the Quinjet in the end of Avengers 2. You see that the Quinjet crash-landed on Sakaar. So it's it's actually adapted from a story in the comics called World War Hulk, I think is what it was called. Yes, and I, rem- Hulk. and I remember reading that they originally wanted to do a film like that, and then too many people heard about it and then like kind of knew what was going to happen. Oh, so it's like a Hateful Eight situation. A little bit. So they're like, hey, cool, we'll put some of it in here, but we're not going to make... Basically, they're not going to make a Planet Hulk movie. I don't think we're ever going to get a Hulk, just an incredible Hulk movie for a long time. If Yeah, you know that the Edward Norton one was the last one we got, and that one was, it was okay. It was sort of overshadowed by Iron Man, but it came out pretty soon after the first Iron Man. It was the second Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Yeah, and that was, I mean, that was before, uh, you know, Marvel does what it does now, and you get you get a Marvel film about every season. That was... You know, I think they were really trying to, you know, throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. That's not the term, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, I think the story beats from Iron Man and the story beats from the Incredible Hulk movie, they they both really were the same thing when you pull all of the aesthetics away from it. It's guy turns into super, or guy has superpowers, evil guy wants those superpowers or similar superpowers, evil guy goes crazy pursuing superpowers, and then they fight at the end. The formula. The yeah. the classic superhero formula that is the formula. Kevin Feige Kevin Feige 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 I think that's how you say I'm it. I'm gonna continue using Feige for the rest of this podcast. Okay. So if I'm wrong, you guys can yell at me. Uh, but yeah, that that's the formula that he was used to for a while, and now Kevin Feige thankfully is, I think, aware that there he's putting a lot of content out, and he doesn't want it to be the same content. Yeah, uh, Kevin Feige the the main executive producer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And talking about Thor, or not Thor, talking about Hulk, I love what we saw from Hulk in this film. 
I felt like I knew way more about what was going on in his head than like, you know, a whole other solo movie would give me or like another freaking dumb origin story. They paint it very well and he's a great supporting character. And then we see that Hulk is, you know, he's still going through his crap of he can't control his powers, can't control his anger. And he's learning to do so. And it's like, you know, it's tough. And then we we see that struggle in him and he talks about it, you know. Yeah. It, it's the first time we actually see Hulk talk, too. I mean, like, yeah, I did, the first time you see him talk, I think, is in the movies, is in Avengers 1 when he calls Loki a puny god or whatever. And then this one, you, he actually has, like, conversations and... Sen- uh, sentences and everything. Says, yeah, he's he's growing up. He's like a toddler. He talks some words, man. Yeah. Uh, you also see his bare green ass. The the scene, like, after they're oh, fighting... when he's in the hot tub? Yeah, and then he just uh, goes out and is like, oh, what the what the hell, there's there's a CGI green ass. So, uh, if you're looking for some green ass, <laughs> look for that. So, we learn a lot about Hulk. And I would say, story aside and just, you know, in the technical aspects, this was a fun film in that I think they had a very fun direction. Taika Waititi, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, this was his first... I think this is his first like real full blown blockbuster. If I'm wrong, like I yeah, think, I think I mean, he's just done indie indie stuff in New Zealand. The trend as of late has been to take indie directors and give them a big property and see what they do. And so you see that with um, who are the guys who have been directing? They directed the, all the Captain Americas. They're directing Infinity War. The Rousseau brothers. The Rousseau brothers. Uh, Colin Trevorov yeah, as well. Colin Trevorrow. Uh, the Rousseau brothers, they, I think they, they got their start directing a couple episodes of Community. Yep, Community with Dan yeah. Harmon. Yep, Harmon. And, they, and now they're like directing big blockbusters, and uh, they, they've really run away with it. And they've, I think they, they sort of redeemed the franchise after Avengers 2. Civil War really was the Avengers movie. In my opinion, it was the Avengers movie that, that people wanted out of Avengers 2. Oh, yeah, because Avengers 2. Disappointing. Very formulaic. Boring. Yes. Boring like, like, villain. Robot like I said, wants yeah, to do robot things. Villain, villain that is literally created, and then in the first minute of him being created, I don't like humanity. Let me destroy it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you've seen it even with Ryan Johnson directing The Last Jedi, and now he's been given a whole trilogy of films to make. For the most part, it's been working out. Yeah. And it definitely works out with this film. Uh, Taika has a personality that bleeds through in his filmmaking and he, he even has a cameo role in the movie as uh, some rock guy. He looks like the thing. Yeah, he, uh, he, he plays Korg, correct? Yeah, Korg. His one-liners in the movie were some of the funniest one-liners. Uh, like, I was actually audibly laughing. Yeah, I, I, yeah and we, we watched this one together and yeah, we were both cracking up and making making the, the ladies in the theater next to us watching Bad Moms, very upset. Bad Moms <laughs> 2, a, yeah, they could, a Bad Moms Christmas. You, you know, they, they were not laughing at all during <laughs> that movie. Maybe we should do a Bad Moms Christmas review next to make sure we've covered all of our bases. Yeah, we got to appeal to more demographics. Bro, I love Bad Moms 2. Oh, there was, it was just way more bad. Yeah. <laughs> Kristen Bell's one bad bitch. I love Kristen Bell. She's... She she's like the cool aunt I never had. I mean I, I have a cool aunt, but like you know, 
What is Mila Kunis? I feel like they're all like cool cousin aunt ages, you know? They're like in a weird in between. Like they're not the ages like our moms could be, but like can't be like an older sister type of thing. Cool older cousin or younger aunt. Definitely. Um, (laughs) But Taika Waititi also like has a a cool uncle cousin phase. uh, Not phase. He has a cool uncle cousin vibe to him in that he really makes everyone, all of the actors, smile and really have fun with what they were uh, doing. Uh, Fun fact, I think 80% of the film was improv, if I'm right. That's fun. Like I've I've directed a, a couple of things as well and I I love improvisation improvisation on a set and the fact that they let them do it on such a big property I'm crazy I don't know What do you think of such As I said he that style bleeds through and I'm pretty sure the previous film he directed uh What We Do in the Shadows was also heavily improvised And uh have have you seen that movie no, it is in the shadows of my uh, video library. So I haven't seen it either, but it's it's sort of a cult hit, I think now. But it's it's a it's basically a mockumentary about vampires. Oh, I'll watch the hell out yeah, of that. Yeah, and Jermaine Clement is the main character. I don't oh. know why I haven't watched it yet. I just I never got around to it. But apparently, it's hilarious. I feel like that's in like the New Zealand Film Board's like Hall of Fame already, just for those two names that you. <laughs> they have a What We Do in the Shadows museum right next to the Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia exhibits. As Flight of the Concords plays in the background. Right on every TV, on every VHS player in New Zealand. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely think that there's a uh, the new style of this new Thor movie really helps bring it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a key series of movies now, uh, or as, as one of the more prominent series of movies in terms of quality in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, I think it's, like, of the MCU movies, easily top five, if not top three. Um, and I'd put the most recent Spider-Man in there and one of the Guardians of the Galaxies. I don't know which one. Um and then also Winter Soldier, but we're not. This isn't a ranking Marvel movies podcast. No. But you hey, know, you guys know my favorites now. So what I would have to say about this movie overall is that if it had come out two years ago, I would have been all over it. You know, I would have been ecstatic for it. But we've had two Guardians of the Galaxy movies already that have had that sort of aesthetic of uh, space opera mixed with rock and roll soundtrack. Yeah, and. Uh, super like crazy purples and blues and like neon colors and we've already seen a handsome actor named chris do some fun stuff for marvel in space already yes uh it's it's not as fresh in my in in my mind anymore or no it's it's not as fresh of a concept anymore you know they they basically guardians of the galaxy eyes thor and if that had been thor from the get-go maybe this wouldn't this movie wouldn't have been as good as we thought it was that's fair. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, the first two Thors are, you know, this very, uh, like, I would, and you can pull up the IMDb list. It seems like everyone is just, hey, we had a summer off from Shakespeare camp. Let's make a, a superhero movie now and still use all Shakespeare accents. Uh, right. I remember I was just talking like this for, like, 15 minutes in the parking lot afterwards. Yeah. And now I will finish the podcast talking like this. Um, Please don't. Anyway, Mason, 
Uh. <laughs> so, but, like, I think this is a good segue, though. I mean, overall, what did you think of Thor? Yeah, fun. Uh, the space, the space stuff was cool, and I do like. It got me excited for the next films in that the Thor, you know, like caring about Thor. Like Thor has been a good tape, or like, oh, hell yeah. Thor has been like a good paste tape for one second. I was talking about. Oh yeah. Uh what I like about the Thor films though, and the character of Thor in general is that it's like good tape, good paste of like the larger story that uh Kevin Feige is trying to tell in the Marvel, you know, cinematic universe. Uh Sorry, I just like heard that and I was like, no. Um, the like the, the bigger pace for the Marvel Cinematic Universe in that, you know, we see at the very end we see Thor see, I think Thanos's giant ship, right? Or was it Thanos's ship, or was it, uh, what's his, was it the Guardians' ship? I think it's Thanos's ship. Uh, because in the uh, bootleg Comic Con. Avengers Infinity War trailer the Guardians are flying through the wreckage and then Thor smacks on their windshield oh what his ship's been like destroyed oh okay well that's very exciting so now we're a little bit in a little spoilery but hey like good good teaser so yeah. good to know that because uh, also uh, we're recording this today on November 29th uh, today the first Avengers Infinity War Part 1 trailer got released, mm -hmm. and I think the last shot of that first trailer is Thor saying hi to all the Guardians, you know? Right. Yeah, you know, um, so I liked Thor Ragnarok. It was a really fun time, but at, like like I said, if it had come out two years earlier, then I would have been head over heels for the movie, not just walking out like, oh, that was good. Um, but it's... It's gotten me hyped for the things to come, and I am wondering if Marvel is going to deliver on the hype, or if we're going to have another Avengers 2 situation. Uh, it's yeah. like they're trying to juggle so many things at once, and it's it's going to be a Batman v Superman situation where like forty percent of the movie is setting up other movies. And that's that's the fun thing. Like it, you know, this one talked about some of the past films and teases some of the next film but if you if I had never watched a Marvel movie before and you dropped me in this film I think I would have been able to figure everything out yeah kind of thing. Mm -hmm. while and you know what, let's just use this to kind of transition into the world of DC and talk Justice League uh, Justice League and DC do not do that at all I feel like I have to know no. everything about what happened in the last one or wait what about this uh, what does this mean for the next one? And I wonder if, if it's because DC is where they're at in their little cinematic universe is where, I mean, I guess Marvel was in like late 2011, early 2012 before Avengers before, or like after like Iron Man two or whatever, you know, they're sticking to a formula and worrying about, Hey, there's all these phases we have to make films for. Right. So it's a, like, I think the, 
the biggest difference between where we are with the DC universe and where we are with the Marvel universe uh, in terms of how they sort of craft their movies is that the Marvel movies are always their own contained story, or for the most part, they're their own contained story and have these little sprinkles of Easter eggs that tease what's to come, and it's sort of woven throughout the story. And I feel like the DC movies, with the exception of Wonder Woman, because uh, it's more of a period piece, the DC movies have been so focused on playing catch-up and they've been so focused on having all these things that tease what's to come and letting the story come second. And that was one of the biggest problems with Batman v Superman alongside the horrendous writing. I mean, Suicide Squad as well. If we're Suicide Squad, I haven't even seen it. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. Dude, good for you. I mean, I, I just read an article today that uh, David Ayer said, like, he literally said, hey, this was a fun film, but I screwed up, like... I don't know what I was thinking with Enchantress as the villain. The Joker should have been the villain. I'll tell you, I never heard of Enchantress before I watched Suicide Squad. I have no idea who that is. C-level villain. And I think that's where where like Marvel fi- has figured to make it work in that they have shown their blah, blah, blah. they've shown their big villains and then like we can get on to like a secondary one or so, you know. Uh but that's fine because, you know, we've learned way more about the heroes. DC, frustratingly, has used their, like, second fiddle villains as their main villains early out in the films. And uh, we'll get onto these comparisons later. But the big one that really frustrates me is in their newest film, Justice League, with their villain Steppenwolf. Who is Steppenwolf? I don't know. I thought I was a big fan of DC when I was a kid. I watched a lot of their TV shows. Well, the I, Justice League show was awesome. Yeah, it was you know, like, badass. And, you know, like, here's my thing. If I could uh, interject real quick. Please. There's no Green Lantern. There's no Martian Manhunter. Uh, the Wonder Cyborg, Twins were cool. <laughs> Cyborg. The ambiguously gay duo was nowhere to be found. <laughs> no, uh, but... And all seriously, like... I don't know if in the com I haven't read the comics. I don't know if Cyborg was an original member of the Justice League, but I always knew him as a member of the Teen Titans. And I would have much rather have seen a Teen Titans movie with Cyborg, Beast Boy, Robin, Starfire, and Raven. Oh, or like and I'd rather see a te- yeah a Teen Titans movie. instead of cool. doing Suicide Squad. They should have done Teen Titans. Yeah, in my opinion. because yeah, they could still like have like that. Hey, we're young. We don't know anything about crime fighting type of thing. That like they kind of try to do with Suicide Squad, but then, hey, they're heroes, they're redeemable, they're not literally archetypes that I think they just figured out in a board of, like, oh, here's here's Killer Croc, we're going to just make him a silent thug and not give him any lines. Like, Killer Croc's a cool villain. Yeah, if you've, if you've played any of the Batman Arkham games, you know that, like, you can, that Killer Croc can be fucking scary. Meanwhile, literally, Homeboy just grunts. He just grunts and just makes mean faces in Suicide Squad. But we're we're getting off track again. We're we're, we're here to we're, talk. We're talking about Marvel versus DC. But I want to talk a little bit of Justice League first. Yeah. So to backtrack. Okay. So Steppenwolf, he sucked. Yeah, Steppenwolf. Uh, and uh, let, let me tell you a few of the basics of Justice League, made in 20, 2017. Um, directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, and Joss Whedon. Yeah, so like big asterisk with that because unfortunately, uh, Zack Snyder had to step out because uh, his his daughter 
uh, died. She had some mental mental health issues and uh, sadly took her own life. So, R.I.P. Um, but that really made him forced him to have to like step back and you know deal with his family stuff. And Joss Whedon, his friend who has some experience in superhero films, making The Avengers, right among others, uh, filled in to help out. And he did his buddy a solid, and I'm glad he did so because that I mean that's it's a nice thing to do. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but because of so, I think it made a very disjointed movie. Yeah. So the it, the movie has these weird has this weird like black and white thing to it where you can tell where the Joss Whedon parts are and where the Zack Snyder parts are. And you can tell that Joss Whedon sort of tried to take a theoretical turkey baser and inject little droplets of jokes into the dialogue of this movie and some of it works and some of it seems completely undeserved and out of place in what could be a serious conversation and some character comes in and drops a one-liner and you're like oh like that was sort of funny but why aren't we being serious right now yeah and like two two characters that like well one character that benefits from it is uh the Flash, and I think that's the the Flash's character in general. He's a funny character, uh, and uh, he was definitely the shining light of this film. Uh, the Flash, played by uh, Ezra Miller, star of Perks of Being a Wallflower and other films, he was way more entertaining than anyone else. Like Wonder Woman, she was also good. My big thing with the DC universe is that I think it's all miscast. Ezra Miller doesn't really look. Like the Flash, you know, I grew up with, but his I, costumes horrid. Yeah, I think but the he's made it design, his own. The costume design of the Flash, I hate it. It had all these random wires going around it for no reason. Yeah. So, so two things. Uh, the casting, I think, is off, and I would say, yeah, the costume design weird is weird because it's. I feel like I'm not watching Batman. I'm watching. Oh, there's Ben Affleck in some bulky suit. Oh, I hope you can move in that. Uh. Um, yeah. Like Ben Affleck. I still don't think works very well. Um, Henry Cavill works. So it works half. Uh, Jason Momoa, eh, I don't know, as Aquaman. I feel like they were just literally like, oh, Aquaman is sort of a meme, and people say he's not cool because all he does is talk to fish. And so let's cast Jason Momoa, who looks like a friggin' rock star. Like, yeah, he's all these tattoos and make him, make him brooding and... Uh, and an outcast and someone who's like secretly a hero to this small village. And you get nothing outside of that. He has no character development aside from one time where he gets secretly lassoed by Wonder Woman's truth, truth rope, truth, whatever that is. Yeah. Truth lasso, lasso of truth, lasso. Yeah. That's what it's called. Is that what it's called? Uh, something like that. We butchered that, but that, yeah. So didn't work, but that was the funniest scene of the film was that little, he's like very honest and open. And he's yeah. And see, th- you could tell that was a Joss Whedon scene too. Damn right. And then like, what's cool about the Avengers movies is that you see these, these sort of human camaraderie moments that the, uh, that the heroes have together. Like if, if for instance, in Avengers two, one of the greatest scenes is when they're all taking turns trying to pick up Thor's hammer. Yeah. And I think, here, one of the greatest scenes was actually the end credit scene where Flash and Superman are, sitting, are standing next to each other and they're about to have a race around from coast to coast. Just yeah. for the hell of it. And like they're just being buds with superpowers. And that's 
fun and that's good but they you don't the moments like that in this movie are few and far between very few um and one thing that you talked about really frustrated me like also like not something you said frustrated me nothing like that uh i what you mentioned earlier makes me think of two things is that this was a film that tried to introduce three new characters to us like like not brand new but in this little cinematic universe and that we uh we are really meeting the flash aquaman and cyborg all for the first time that's a lot to pack in and you know they give us some casual backstory of oh my dad's in prison and now i have to run fast or oh i was a quarterback and i got hurt and i'm the king of the seas uh but like it just seems so like they told me that very quickly and then now let's save the world and now hey yeah we're all buddies and friends and yeah it wasn't deserved other thing that wasn't deserved that really annoyed me is that i think cyborg was way more like the cyborg that we see is very Zack Snyder Zack Snydery in that he's very cinematic, very dramatic. Oh, so many so much trauma happened to me. And then at the very end of the film, he gives us the classic cyborg catchphrase of booyah that makes no sense. Right. Cyborg had had like Nothing close to the personality that he had in the Teen Titan, Titans, Teen Titans, Teen Titans cartoon. Like he he was a funny, wisecracking uh, bro in the in the Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, and uh, when he said "booyah," you it it just fit the character. It didn't fit the character in this because Cyborg's literally just a dude who's like, "Who am I anymore? I can <sighs> hack into everything and I can turn all the lights off. I can't recognize my body." Ugh. And then like, I mean, uh I was going to say played by Victor Stone, that's his his character's name. Played by Ray Fisher, who is a tried and true theater actor. I'm not even sure what other films he's in. Uh but he's a seasoned theater actor. And maybe knowing that like gives me this preconceived notion that he's like way more dramatic than he should be, but maybe that's why he was cast. Hey, we want to have edgy, dramatic cyborg. He doesn't know who he is. Teen angst Ugh. type of thing. So uh, that was tough for me. Um, but man, I mean, I have a lot of other gripes. Uh, do you have any other gripes before I just get into it, man? Uh, well, I mean. Henry Cavill's face was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and so and then yeah, the CGI there was fucking terrible. Yeah, so like the thing of knowing, like with this film, there was so much negative press around it for the year before a year before it was released. So like, you know, I'm talking about preconceived notions with uh, Ray Fisher, but I felt like I had preconceived notions. Every viewer did because. There is so much craziness with getting this film made in the last year, and a lot of it was in post production. You know, they filmed the they filmed the film, and then they like changed everything. Right. We you really and we knew about it. it. You're right. The movie makes you ask a question like, how much of this was cobbled together in post to sort of figure out the where we want to go with it? You know, and okay, so here's here's my super huge gripe about this movie. Yes. Gripe with me. The villain is completely CGI. Ugh. And it's like, but, but why? Why would you we just cast someone and have them play? Like, 
Well, there, there's that uncanny valley sort of disconnect you have with CGI characters. Like I get it. You in in Rogue One, you had to put Tarkin in there because whatever, uh, or because Peter Cushing's dead. Yeah. Uh, but like to to just create a character from the ground up as a CGI monster and have him just be the guy who throws his axe everywhere and bashes shit and it it, it was just it it's probably weaker than any Marvel villain. And it's weaker than the weakest Marvel villain. Which was, uh, what's the robot's name in Avengers 2? That's who I think the weakest villain is. Freaking, not Megatron. But he's so, I mean, he's Ultron. so... Ultron. Ultron. It, <laughs> the movie's a, called Age it's, of it's Ultron. It's in the title of the movie, yeah. and I can't tell you the villain of that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say this guy is a little bit worse than him in that we kind of understand a little bit why Ultron's like weird and like evil... This guy just well, both are honestly we're we're picking here. It's both are really crappy villains. But the what you've discussed, uh, so like it is played by an actor. Uh, the villain Steppenwolf is played by a uh, French actor. I think he's French. Uh, Sierran Hines. Again, I feel like I'm butchering the pronunciation of all these names. Did he do mocap? And it was motion it? capture. Okay. And it was I think I read it. It was his first time doing it. Um, so and I think he he talked with the. I was going to say he talked with Benedict Cumberbatch. That's the other movie. That's Marvel and Doctor Strange. Well, then he did. He did really good motion capture for uh, the Hobbit movies as Smaug. Um, but, like, yeah, so here I am saying that, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch from the other, those other films, he's a, he's probably a pro at uh, motion capture, and he, he taught this other actor it. He didn't do that, though. Um but yeah, they didn't need to make this motion capture. They could have, I think, done some practical makeup and made it work. But who knows? It could have. The, maybe they did do that, and then they just slapped it all together in post, like you said. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm just becoming more cynical. But the more I go to movies, and I can tell that all the actors are standing in a giant green or blue soundstage, the more I'm just like, eh. You know, like, the more I'm just like, eh. I don't believe any of this anymore. And it like there's that whole story about uh Ian McKellen that's his name, right? Gandalf? Yes, that's yeah. Gandalf's name. Ian McKellen, while he's filming the Hobbit movies, breaking down and crying during the production of one of them because he's standing in a giant green soundstage and he has nothing to work with. He's uh acting to CGI characters and he's he breaks down and cries and says, This is not what I got into acting for this is not how it's supposed to be and they brought it back with force awakens they brought back practical effects and they mixed it with cgi and it's it's literally we we make what we can with practical effects and for whatever we can't do we're going to put cgi and that's the happy medium totally and just saying we're going to have a special effects heavy world ending crazy bombs going off or it's going to be a giant spectacle it doesn't work anymore and crazy bombs thing going off too that's my that's my gripe uh we've talked a lot of superhero formulas that uh luckily marvel has been kind of finally shying away from and dc has been embracing a little bit of the big uh third act formula of all the heroes are together or hero is together you know, whatever number of heroes, and now we have to stop the large energy source from destroying the planet, 
the world, the universe, the town. It the the large energy source is going to destroy something, and we have to beat up a bunch of faceless rogues on the way, type of thing. Right, and like they even revealed that Superman comes back in the trailer. Like, yeah, you know, like why not just let it be a surprise? And that's the other thing. So, like the some of the other films, uh, some of the other like large budget films, they can be secret with their casting, or it's like really hard to figure out. And this isn't a film, but like Game of Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones spoilers. Uh, we figure out that Jon Snow is revived back to life, but we don't necessarily full blown know it yet. I felt like we knew this a year and a half before the film even came out that. Like, you know, at the end of Batman versus Superman, uh, Superman dies. But then we see top billing for Justice League. There's Henry Cavill, the actor that plays Superman. And it's like, okay, what? Are you going to just, like, have, like, 50 minutes worth of flashbacks that uh, garners you to get that top billing? No, you're going to show up and be in most of the movie. How? We don't know. But, like, I don't know. It, yeah, it spoils it. Surprise. Right. And... I think the way they revived Superman was just completely dumb. It, it wasn't even memorable. What happened? Flash is like, oh, I can, I know that this cube, this alien cube that no one's seen before, studied at all, will get charged up if I run really fast and and uh, charge it up with electricity. Slap together. Yeah, it's completely slapped together. They're like, how can we revive Superman? Okay, Flash is going to run really fast, and this cube's going to drop on him, and then he's going to... We, we put him into this water with all of his funeral clothes on, and then when he comes out of the water, he's completely shirtless for some, like, yeah, stupid reason because it's in Henry Cavill's contract that he has to be shirtless every movie at least once. And yeah, I mean, hey, he, he put in the gym work. He he did that GTL. We got we to gotta see it. You... Warner Brothers wants us to see his abs. You know, it's very important to do so. Yeah, it very much reminded me of the scene in Avengers Two when Thor's like in the the like fucking grotto and he's just having like a fever dream in the grotto, shirtless, and he's like, <laughs> "Do you remember that?" Oh <laughs> man, like, I really got a great workout the other day. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's just completely unnecessary. So I mean, so a lot of unnecessary things happen in this film, and that reminds me of what you mentioned earlier that uh, they, I think, they were kind of trying to force that camaraderie, but by doing it to further the plot, it's it's just all muddled up. Um, they're like, oh, we'll we'll just have them tell some jokes to each other, and then they'll be friends because be they, buddies. they joke like they're friends. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like this was the 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 first big team up movie for DC and it just is a little too similar to of to the first Avengers for me and, and like I mean the first Avengers like wrote the formula but they're like they're like here's how it's going to be different than Avengers 1 we're going to have three cubes oh crap instead of just one cube yeah so like they're they're still like looking for some random cubes um and I don't know I felt like the the characters like the dc characters that we know and love from you know other other film and media that we've consumed as our kids as, as we as our kids as we were kids goodness um that they just kind of but like they kind of forgot about the char- the characters of cyborg the characters of aquaman 
and made them similar to the archetypes that we like meet in Guardians of the Galaxy or the Avengers. Like, I don't know, Cyborg reminded me a lot of Captain America. You know, like a lot of the angst, who am I? Where am I? This is so different looking. Uh, you know, Superman kind of reminded me of Hulk in in that, like, you know, in this film, he's just, like, angry and, like, punches people and, like, isn't very helpful. Um, Aquaman reminds me of Hawkeye in that I don't really care about him too much. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't, you know, I've... I'd say that I don't agree with you there because I going into the movie I wasn't I wasn't focused on comparing them to the Marvel heroes I was focused on uh their accuracy to what I have known watching the Justice League cartoon and the Teen Titans cartoon growing up because that's how I was introduced to DC superheroes. Yeah. Um you get to see a Lantern Corps member for like one second. One one or two frames. One second. Yeah. And if they had just cast Green Lantern, maybe it would have been a little bit better. But they they wanna they wanna tease you with that and then say, Oh well you wanna see that? Well hey, the Green Lantern Corps movie is coming out in twenty twenty. Shell out your big bucks right. and watch all these other films so then you can watch the film that you want to watch. Like, I don't know. DC's shameless and here's my big gripe with the two of them. Marvel wants to tell stories while making money. And then DC wants to make money and then maybe tell a story as they do it. You know, like I feel like Warner brothers and DC, it's the bottom line. That's what they're really caring about at the end of the day. And Marvel, they've been telling cool stories. Yeah. They're cutting corners. Yeah. Like I said, it was uh, Marvel started with Iron Man in 2008 and they've had, they've made 20 movies so far or 22 movies. Is it 20 movies or 22? Regardless, it's a crap I, ton of movies. I read that they, they've they made, I think it's made, they made 20 movies so far and they have 22 more planned. Yeah, what? That's... Yeah, like, so here's, here's the thing. When is the comic book movie bubble going to pop? You know, when are we going to be like, all right, this is enough. I've had it. Make something original again because th- this... Th- so much of entertainment now is dominated by things based on comic books. Yeah, like and it's not it's not even Marvel. Like they have Preacher on AMC, they have Walking Dead on AMC. Those are both based on comic books. Um what else? What else? I mean, they I mean, have Netflix, all these Marvel shows. Netflix just signed a big deal uh to get the rights of uh and I forget the company's name, but the company that makes that was behind Kickass, those comic books. Uh and and uh, Kingsman and all the and uh, that author's property. So I like, think it might be Image Comics, but I'm not sure. That sounds right. Um, so everyone's investing in comics. Yeah, like I I know what you mean. Yeah, and like we haven't seen I haven't seen an original blockbuster in a long time. Like th- that's weird to say an original blockbuster. Yeah, and it, yeah, you're exactly right. Is it's like it's gone from. How do I, from the ground up, create a story? Like, we're not getting Die Hard or Mission Impossible anymore or James Bond. I mean, we have been getting James Bond, but not for a while. Those aren't um, new. That's the yeah, thing. They're, that's yeah, they're not idea. new. They, there's there's over 20 James Bond films. That's, yeah, like, that's like, they'll be like the 26th sequel, technically. Yeah. Um, 
like Mission Impossible, we're still getting also, and I I would have to say uh, the last one I saw was Ghost Protocol, and that one was pretty good. Uh, but and we'll see Henry Cavill with his mustache in the next one whenever that comes out. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not getting the, these new intellectual properties. Instead, people are uh, acquiring the the movie rights to IPs and saying, "What pieces can we take out of all of the all of this material and Frankenstein together an original movie instead of just from the ground up creating something that's new?" Imagine if we if if Marvel created some brand new superheroes for the screen. That'd be bold. But I'd much rather have that. But here's the thing. They'll never do it because that is risk. And like Marvel, they, they've taken some risk, you know, in you know, making Guardians of the Galaxy some C-list superheroes, but a new one, that's too big of a risk for them. And I don't think they will ever do that anytime soon. That being said, they might, so like anytime soon, what did we say? They have 22 films on slate to make be made soon. So uh, Kevin Feige said, like after Avengers four, like there will be like essentially like not a reboot, but like a new phase, and like everything will move forward. So I don't know if that means you know Captain America and Iron Man will die. I think it will because I don't think uh, uh, Chris Evans, the actor that plays Captain America, wants to do anymore, and I think his contract's up. Uh, like so, like knowing that. Will we get, you know, young Captain America? Will we get girl Captain America? Will we get, I don't know, Captain Lithuania? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, see, that's a good point, is because I was under the impression that his contract was up after Civil War, and I thought that was interesting because in the Civil War comic, Steve Rogers actually dies, and the Winter Soldier becomes Captain America. And I think that's what's going to happen because the actor that plays the Winter Soldier is like has like six more movies well, on, I hope on his that's contract. What yeah, but I like thought that, that was happen. going to happen in Civil War. Yeah. So hey, it was a little surprise. One character didn't die, but like we know he's going to die probably uh, come come next summer. Watch your favorite superhero die. Um, right. Yeah. So like so yeah, things are getting predictable, and companies want. There's stuff to be predictable because, I don't know, they're, yeah, they're selling it to the mass populace. They don't want to have too much risk and be, I think, too creatively confusing. And I don't, I would like to hope that we will be getting more, more blockbusters that are original. But, you know, we need those Taika Watiti's and Rousseau brothers to maybe not sign on for Captain America 4 and sign on for. I don't know, Wonder Man. I'm sure Wonder Man's some BS. Act probably is like some D-list Marvel superhero for all we know. There is a happy medium. You know, I think there. the idea with these Marvel movies is that uh, on a Saturday, a dad can take his kids to go see the next Marvel movie for the next 10 years, right? Sure. Families can take their kids to go see the next Marvel movie and know for sure that they're going to have a good time, and that's all good. But you can have an original intellectual property that achieves the same thing. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, imagine imagine Star Wars when that first came out in 1977. It was the blockbuster. Yeah, and that it was a... I mean, I think the that was... The original blockbuster. Sure, that was, like, based off of books, I believe, but that's that was a brand new, brand spanking new Star property. Wars? Yeah. It was, it was based it on some books. It wasn't based off of any... I mean, like, it was, he got story ideas from, uh, 
I think its main inspiration was Flash Gordon serials. Okay, but so but yeah. you know what I mean. But like it was it wasn't direct. Like there weren't any books called Star Wars that George Lucas adapted for the movie. But he he drew inspirations. Okay, well, but so but what I'm trying to say is that yeah, that was a brand new property. That if it was based on something that was little read or not, it was new and it was a risk that studios took and made something. And I mean, the closest that we got this year was I guess Valerian. And that was based off some, uh, I think, based some off f- comics, some French comics that uh, Luc Besson, Besson, again, butchered director name, probably. A lot of French people in film right now. Yeah, ha ha, wee wee. So, but that was, I, I mean, I guess that was the most original, you know, space blockbuster, and it was still, you know, based off a comic book. But it, it was original and new to me because I'm an American viewer that hasn't read that French comic book. Right. Uh, and then. So, I mean, I, we are getting some newer things, but they're still based off comic books. Yeah, so you know, I think... Ma- maybe we got to write some comics, man, and hope mm, that gets made. Yeah, maybe that's how you how you get your movie made. You just adapt your script to a comic, and then everyone will jump all over it. Well, hey, I have some great comics I made in first grade that are somewhere in a briefcase, <laughs> like in the back of my childhood home closet. Uh, I think I did a Cheerleader Chicken. Look out oh, for great. Cheerleader Chicken, cheerleader everyone. Cheerleader Chicken. She, and Rocket she's, Raccoon crossover. She, Oh, well, and that's the thing. I, they were just cheap rip-offs, some of those. But she had a hoverboard and pom-poms that, like, killed you. I forget. It's pretty great. So uh, any any film producers listening, I can uh, write a screenplay for my own original IP, Cheerleader Chicken, coming in theaters summer 2019. Yeah, but it, yeah, I think what what we need to keep the superhero genre fresh is – uh, new minds taking the groundwork that Marvel has sort of laid out and how to make a superhero movie and flipping the script no pun intended uh, and coming up with their own new ideas that are uniquely for the screen and not uh, directly adapted from anything that's come before and like I said Frankenstein together and sort of uh, take all of this good quality content and draw from that use that as inspiration like George Lucas used Flash Gordon for Star Wars and make something new and that's what we need to see to prevent comic book movie fatigue yes because I wouldn't say I'm necessarily getting tired but only more are going to be made I think there's like a lot there are a lot that are going to be now made in a short amount of time like from now here we are in November 2017. I think all of the superhero movies in 2017 are done, but I wish I could pull up the list right now. Uh I saw that, you know, I'm I think that Marvel has Marvel has in just 2018 they have Black Panther, Avengers Part 1, Infinity War Part 1, Captain Marvel. Is that in 2018 or 2020? Pretty sure it's coming out in between uh, Infinity War parts one and two. Well, damn! If that's the case, like that's that's and a lot of films. Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp that comes out this year. So like they've been they've been sticking with three. So I mean three three superheroes from just one property a year, and that's just one. So we're still gonna we're gonna get Aquaman from DC in 2018, where I think we get a new X Men movie, right? Or somewhere um, in the X Men universe. Yeah, we're getting the, the that 
mutant horror movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, or or is that Dark Phoenix? I don't know. There's a lot coming out and there's only going to be more. Like it, it's right. the staple. It's it's a staple and that's why they call it a tent pole, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, I mean like you know James Gunn creator of Breaking Bad in an interview said or that someone was like Vince Gilligan is the creator of Breaking Bad yeah who's James Gunn James Gunn is the director Vince Gilligan I'm sorry I'm I'm, um, thinking too fast Um, Vince Gilligan was in an interview and it might it might have been Brian Cranston I I can't remember Uh, but the interviewer asked him like this is one of the best shows on television like why did you decide to end it at five seasons like you could keep it going and he's like He's like, the object was to not have people, when Breaking Bad gets brought up in conversation, go, oh, that's still on? You know? Yeah. And I feel like we're we're headed that way with Marvel movies and DC movies. Marvel we? movies, and we're there with, like, Walking Dead if we're talking TV. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I haven't seen Walking Dead for the past four seasons. I'm, like, debating if I should stop it or not. Because it's just tiresome. But... My my actor friend Tyler Buckingham was in it, and he he plays a a savior person, a, a villain, and gets shot in the head. So check out my boy Tyler gets shot in the head, boy. <laughs> awesome! Shout out to Tyler. Uh, well, hey, I don't. I hope you guys aren't fatigued, but I think we're gonna call this one a rippity rap. Um, yeah. So closing statements. Thor Ragnarok, way better than Justice League. Justice League had its moments. There were a couple of little diamonds in the rough in the one-on-one interactions with the heroes, but for the most part, uh, it was a mess. Yeah. I think what we can be excited to see is what they teased at the very end of Justice League where all the cool villains that I like were hanging out. We saw Lex Luthor and Deathstroke hang out. I'm sure the Joker will be brought in there. So if they bring together the cool villains that I like and either, you know, make a better Suicide Squad or have them be villains for, you know, the big Justice League, the next big Justice League film or Batman film or whatever is coming next, if they do something like that, there is hope for me to still be excited when I see a DC film. So I hope you guys hope I'm excited in one of these films. I know you you guys are really caring about that. (laughs) Um, Well, that has been the Son of the Ginger podcast uh, talking about Justice League and Thor Ragnarok. I've been Mason Moreau. And in a world, I am Patrick Baylor. Stay tuned for more podcasts.